Welcome to Preparing for Divorce, a monthly podcast to support those considering, preparing for, or navigating through divorce. This podcast is sponsored by Mainline Family Law Center, a divorce mediation firm that takes a holistic, integrated approach to assisting clients in navigating divorce in a healthy way. I am Pamela Elaine, your host for these monthly support podcasts. To all the listeners, thank you for taking the time to join my guest and me. I acknowledge your commitment to being well-informed and delighted that you have chosen Mainline Family Law Center as a resource. Just a little bit about me, your host. I am the mother of three teenagers and a preteen. I was married for 18 years and have been divorced for over four In my search for answers how to thrive, not just survive after divorce, I started a journey of personal development and healing. As a result, I now speak and train on the topic of emotional intelligence and resilience. I appeared on the Dr. Oz Show to share my story, and I published a book, Muddy High Heels, 14 Lessons Learned from My Breakdown, Breakup, and Breakthrough. I'd be honored if you liked and followed my Facebook pages, Divorced Single Mom Success and Divorced Single Dad Success. Those are two Facebook pages. For those of you who are new to our podcast, you are tuned into a conversation between my guest and me to bring you valuable information about a specific topic related to divorce. To keep you engaged in the conversation between my guest and me, as well as to add a bit of levity to what can be a heavy topic at times, I divide the conversation into six interesting segments. What would life be like for you if you could successfully manage conflicts in your relationship with your spouse or ex-spouse? Would you have less stress, more peace, improved health, Fulfillment, more money, because you aren't spending it in conflict. Imagine an old, repeated conflict with your spouse, soon-to-be spouse, ex-spouse, or current spouse. What if you could respond differently to that old conflict and feel empowered afterwards? Mm, What difference would that make? My guest will introduce you to a surprisingly simple, perhaps not easy, method to dissolving conflict. I ask that you keep an open mind because what he will reveal will help you in your journey. Let's begin our first segment, Getting to Know You. I'd like to introduce my guest, Dr. Henry Yampolsky. Dr. Henry Yampolsky is a pioneer in the field of mindful conflict resolution. In his roles as a mediator, peace educator, conflict coach, speaker, and social entrepreneur, Henry is passionate about holding space for people in conflict. He is the co-founder of Living Peace Institute, which focuses on developing and sharing tools for individuals and organizations to experience conflict as an opportunity for growth, connection, and dialogue. Prior to becoming a full-time peacemaker, Henry served as an associate and then a partner with one of the leading litigation boutique law firms in Philadelphia. 
He holds a Doctor of Jurisprudence degree from Temple University and a Bachelor of Science in International Relations from the University of Scranton. Henry's upcoming book, Dissolving Conflict from Within, Transforming Conflict into an Opportunity for Growth, Connection, and Dialogue, is anticipated to be released in 2018. Henry's website is livingpeaceinstitute.com. Welcome, Henry. Thank you, Pamela Elaine. It's such a joy to be with you. Oh, that's nice to say. So, Henry, please say hello to the listeners and tell us more about yourself, how you got into the work you do, and what drives you to help others. Oh, thank you, Pamela. It's, it's such a pleasure for me uh, to be part of this, contact, uh, 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 part of this call. Uh, I work with many people who are going through the experience of divorce, and it is so wonderful to see uh, the approach uh, that you and my very dear friends at Mainline Family Law uh, are advocating, and that is a holistic, uh, a conscious approach, and an approach that really does create uh, an opportunity for growth, connection, and dialogue, mm. uh, which is really what I'm trying to do um, in working with conflicts. And the way I got into this work uh, was through a motorcycle. Hmm. It all started with a motorcycle, uh, or actually a very, very strong desire to have one. Uh, and, and it seemed to have come, this desire, out of the blue, but also from a very, very deep place within me. Um, for me, it was very clear that this would be something that would take me on a different path in life. Um, but also what I had this desire, what this desire arose through me, um, my wife and I had a real conflict about it. Uh, my wife was very unhappy uh, about this desire. Uh, and it was a very, very difficult experience for us because, uh, as I later realized, motorcycle was just a representation um, of a deep, of deep frustration that I was experiencing. Uh, I was really stuck. I felt that my life was very, very predictable. Um, and I could not imagine uh, staying on the same course uh, for the next 30, 40 years. Uh, and so then, uh, I, this experience of riding a motorcycle was very, very liberating in many ways. But one in particular was that it also brought me um, to a movie a film called The Highest Pass, a documentary about an Indian yogi, a guru, uh, who, take, who took a group of Westerners on a motorcycle journey through the Himalayas. And after watching this film, I really was just very struck by it. It moved me in a very deep way. And so then Julia, uh, my wife, and I looked this, this person up, this guru up, and it turned out that he was teaching a retreat in Virginia uh, just a few weeks later after we saw that film. So we signed up for the retreat with him. Uh, and really, it was a life-changing experience. Um, after this retreat, we made a decision to travel to India, where both Julia and I uh, really got very, very deep uh, into the philosophy of yoga and the study of yoga. 
After we came back, I really could not continue uh, being a trial lawyer anymore. That's what I did uh, before the India experience. Uh, and as I was involved in so many conflicts as a lawyer, um, I really became very, very curious about going deeper into the conflict experience. And I realized as I studied conflict resolution and as I combined my studies in conflict resolution with my yoga practice, that conflict was not the fire we must put out, avoid or control, uh, a fire that is burning outside of us, but rather it became clear to me that conflict was a fire alarm, alerting us to what was happening within us, reflecting what was happening within us. And that realization really changed uh, the way I see conflict um, and also changed the way I approach my role as a peacemaker. Wow. I, I, I didn't expect you to start this with the story of the motorcycle, but that's very intriguing. I, I, I want to just go back to the story for a second. You... Your wife was not in favor of you getting this motorcycle. It created a conflict between the two mm -hmm. of you. Yes. It sounds like, though, you went ahead and got the motorcycle. <laughs> did you get the motorcycle after you had resolved the conflict, or did you get the motorcycle while you were in conflict? So the, um, I, I did end up getting the motorcycle, but, but getting it almost uh, became uh, irrelevant. Mm. Uh, because this conflict uh, became an opportunity for my wife and I to really have some very, very deep conversations mm. um, and to really come to a realization uh, that love had nothing to do with possession. Um, and so uh, it became very clear that we would love each other no matter what, mm. um, but neither of us owned the experience of the other. And something else that we realized that uh, you know, one of the main ingredients in love, and at least in our relationship, uh, is space. Uh, and space to pursue and grow uh, in a way that uh, is helpful and beneficial to, beneficial to either of us. Uh, because love without freedom, as we realized, uh, is dependency. Um, Wait, whoa, whoa. Say that again. So love without freedom uh, is dependency uh, because then um, we, there, there is no liberation. Love, love, to me, is a liberating experience. It's the experience that sets us free, uh, that allows us to grow, uh, that allows us to... Uh, really reach our highest potential uh, within that relationship. Uh, it is not about owning or controlling the other person's experience. And that was a very, very deep realization yeah. that both of us made uh, in, uh, as we went through this experience. And eventually, through this experience, actually our relationship and our communication uh, grew stronger. Um, and, and our connection grew uh, beyond what we ever could imagine it, it could go. Uh, but the first step in that was letting go of the shoulds, letting go of the expectation, uh, 
letting go of the idea that either of us somehow can or should control the other person's experience. All right, I'm going to I'm going to this is a great segue into segment 2 get to the point. And we're going to get to the mm-hmm. point uh, of this topic by asking you some very specific questions and I want to pick up where we where I just cut you off, where we just mm-hmm. cut off. And that is Henry, were you at all afraid of the conflict that came up with the motorcycle as well as the conversation that you had to have around the conflict. Any fear about that? Didn't you want to just run away? Absolutely. Absolutely there was fear. Um, but something that uh, I learned and still am, still am learning, uh, but at least it's now um, more about implementing into practice is that fear does not have to control our experience. Um, We can notice the fear. um, We can thank it uh, for arising and being there, but we also don't have to let it govern what and how we do. As Elizabeth Gilbert uh, brilliantly says in her book, uh, The Big Magic, uh, Mm. you know, fear can be in the car, uh, it's in the back seat, but it doesn't get to pick the radio station. Yeah, I like uh, that. Yes, and, and so that was our experience for both of us. So yes, of course, there was fear, but both of us in that experience committed to growth. And it didn't matter whether we would grow apart or we would grow together. Mm. We let go of the idea of what should be, and that created the space for us to grow uh, and it just happened that we happened to grow together. All right. I, I want to definitely get into some of the characteristics or the principles of dissolving conflict. But before we get mm-hmm. there, there's something that you, a word you keep using that I would love mm-hmm. for you to expound on because I find it very curious and interesting, and I think the listeners do too. In your bio, it reads that you hold space for people in mm-hmm. conflict, and I, I'm hearing this word over and over again, hold space. What does, that, what does that mean to hold space, and what does that mean to hold it when you may not be so crazy about your partner? Mm. So holding space really comes from a deep understanding, deep knowing that we don't know. Deep knowing that we don't know what other person's experience should be. Mm. Deep knowing that we really don't know what is truly best for the other person. So in holding space, we let go of the idea of fixing Mm. because nothing is ever broken. We let go of the idea of helping because helping uh, has a certain... um, Helping also has an idea that we know better. And we can just show up and as much as possible be containers for whatever is arising both within us and within the other persons and in my role as a peacemaker within the individuals who I'm holding space for. Uh, I'm just a container. I'm not there to fix. I'm not there to necessarily provide answers. 
um, but by being the container for all that is arising in the space, we create the opportunity uh, for individuals to move through, uh, to move through the conflict experience. And actually, the concept of holding space is really critical, and that's truly one of the key concepts behind dissolving conflict from within. Uh, because dissolving conflict from within is really a four step, simple four-step tool for creating space within ourselves so that from that space we can respond to conflict with clarity and compassion instead of reacting to it with fear, avoidance, or aggression. Okay, now, Henry, you just said, well, what I heard you say is that space means we're not fixing because nothing's broken. We're not helping because that suggests we know better. Yet that, <laughs> that is the essence of a relationship. I need to fix you and I need to help you. That, like, that's, that's my role in a relationship. That's how we have been taught to see relationships. So how in the world can we not go into the fixing mode and the helping mode? Like what else is there for us if we're not doing those two things? You see, Pamela Elaine, you're just identifying something very, very critical, and that is we really form an identity in fixing and helping and in making the other person, our partner, fit into our idea of what should be. Uh, so first thing we can do is let go of that identity. Mm. Let go of that identity um, that somehow we know. And how do we let, you know, it's easy, to, it's easy to say, well, let's just let go of that identity, let go of that identity. Yeah. Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, we become aware that that is an identity, that that is the story we are carrying. That any time there is a thought that contains the word should, my partner should do X, my partner should be different, I should be different, we are on our way to violence. Because should is a very violent word. It's not, it's not based on the present. It's based on our idea, on a mental concept, of, on, on an expectation uh, that very often does not comport with reality. So the We're first step... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you said uh, the word violent. It, it just stunned me because mm -hmm. one would say, oh, I'm not putting my hands on her. I'm not putting my hands on him. I'm simply trying to have a conversation or get him or her to understand where I'm coming from or to stop doing the stuff that annoys me. It's not violent. Mm -hmm. So what is this thing? Why are you throwing violence into the mix? So of course, physical violence is only one expression of violence. Uh, most of us uh, do not express our violence in a physical way. But that is not to say that we are not violent. Uh, we express our violence through manipulation, through expectations, um, through trying to fix. Because where does the idea of fixing someone come from? It comes 
from a place within us where we think we know. We think we know what is best for the other person. And that's a, vi that's a violent place because do we really ever know, do we really ever know the whole picture? Uh, truly, truly the whole picture, uh, all the things that uh, this particular soul that is residing in the body of our partner, that the journey that that soul must go through, is going through, what experiences it needs to have on this soul journey. Mm. You know, that, that, that makes sense in, in this way, at least in, in my mind, which is, you know, I, the partner that I married had a life before I ever married the partner, even a life before I met the partner. Mm -hmm. How can I then take the position that I really know what's best for him, what he should have done or he should not have done, how I could have fixed him when we really just had a window, even though it was 18 years, it was a window in time. Mm -hmm. There was so much before and clearly there's so much after. So I, I kind of can wrap my brain around that. Mm -hmm. I also hear the value in not fixing myself, not trying to, not doing the shoulds all over myself. It's mm -hmm. what I'm hearing you say is if if an individual can create space or hold space for his or her own um, wholeness, it might mm -hmm. make it easier to do that for someone else. Do I get exactly. did I get that right? Yes, that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, so everything begins with us. Um, we can only hold space for the pain of others if we are deeply connected with our own pain. Um, it, only, it only can come from a place of authenticity. And that authenticity, by, by its very nature, by its very definition, we cannot fake. Uh, it has to arise from within us. So that's why dissolving conflict from within the process that I co-developed, really what it's doing is teaching us how to hold space for us, for whatever is arising within us, without trying to um, react to it. Because what is a reaction? A reaction is our attempt to escape or control. And the alternative to that is observing, observing what is arising, without either suppressing or expressing it. And that's, if we really look at uh, the essence of, of, of yoga tradition, that is really the essence of what yoga is about, and that is really learning to be with whatever is, observing what is arising, and knowing, realizing that whatever is arising through us is not us. Mm. Whoa. That's deep and powerful, and, and let, me, let me see if I can make, let me see how, if you can apply this to a real conflict that people might have, a couple might have, okay? So the mm -hmm. yoga tradition plus your four steps in dissolving conflict. I want you to go through that with us, with this, if, if you don't mind me, giving you a scenario that is so real for all mm -hmm. of us. So the couple mm -hmm. is in a conflict. Uh, the there's 
nasty emails going back and forth about what one partner failed to do once again. You failed to provide the important documents that would help us move this divorce process along. And he is pissed off, very upset, has already said some mean and unkind things to the spouse. And now he, now how does this gentleman go Mm -hmm. through dissolving conflict from within when she was clearly the one not providing the documents to move the process along? Mm -hmm. Wonderful question. So um, if I were to work with this gentleman, where we would start in the four steps is at the first step. And the first step is called set aside the trigger. So the invitation of this step is whatever it is that his partner did or did not do, just for a moment, just for a minute, can we set her aside? And the guiding question or affirmation uh, within the first step is, am I willing, am I willing to look within me? So then as we go through the process, there is a breathing technique uh, that I utilize. And that breathing technique really helps us to connect with what is happening within us. And again, we're not saying that the other uh, person is is unimportant, what they did is right or wrong. We're setting them aside for a moment because we cannot control what what, what and how they do as 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 much as we can try. We're looking within. So then with this gentleman, we would go to the second step of the process. And that is where I would invite him to see what is the first thought that is arising for him as he's experiencing this conflict situation. Whatever that thought is, you know, I can't believe she's doing this again. Let's say that's the thought. Mm -hmm. So then the next invitation of the step two which is called Spot the Story, uh, is can I be the space for this thought? I can't believe she's doing this again. So we're not trying to change the thought. We're not trying to do anything with it. We are trying to let the thought rise in all of its dimensions and just to see what the experience of the thought is in the body. What is our entire experience of this thought? So then in, uh, we also, in step two, begin uh, to play. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to just grab a little clarification on that. You said something yes. key. You said experience that thought in the body. So we're actually looking to see where the body has some physical sensation to the thought. Exactly, exactly. Ah. And we will get to that, to, to, to a more detailed uh, explanation of that in just a moment. But first, we just invite the full experience of this, of this thought, again, without, without bringing the shoots into it. I shouldn't think this way. Without trying to analyze it, we're not trying to, to have an intellectual experience here. We're really trying to connect with what's going on within us. And that's actually the essence of feeling. We're trying to connect with our feelings uh, by connecting with the full experience of what is arising within us as we are going through this conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then in step three, in step three, what we want to do is calm down our reptilian brain. Because whenever we're angry, whenever we're scared, our reptilian brain processes that 
as though we're being chased by a lion. Mm -hmm. And so our blood is flowing away from our brain. Uh, we're getting ready to fight a flight. And that's why in step three, again, after doing a breathing technique, I will ask uh, with this conflict experience, with this thought arising within you, can you handle this moment, this moment right here, right now? And then is this thought that is arising within you, is this thought a threat to you in this moment? So both of these are kind of trick questions because if we're asking is this thought a threat to you in this moment, uh, you, and can you handle this moment, we kind of already handled this moment, the moment you, the question was asked. And a thought, a thought, regardless of how difficult, painful the thought is, a thought in itself is not going to be a threat to us in the moment. So then again, we do the breathing technique, and that's when we come to the most important step of the process, step four. Step four is called relax into the discomfort. So that is where I invite this person, this gentleman, to really connect with what is going on inside his body. Now, he may say to me, well, I'm feeling angry. And I have no idea what that means because angry is just an intellectual concept. It's a word that has a story attached to it. What I am really looking for is what is going on inside this person's body. Because as, as we learn in yoga, as we learn in, 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 in mindfulness, um, our, our emotions... Uh, are not some disconnected uh, ideas or experiences. Our emotions, our feelings are, arise through bodily sensations. That's how we know we are feeling something. Mm -hmm. There is a certain sensation in our body. So what we're trying to do in step four is unconditionally connect with that sensation in the body. And when I say unconditionally, I mean we are not trying to fix it. We are not trying to change it. We are not trying to make it go away. We are trying to connect fully with the physical sensation. But what we have done in the previous steps is that we have built a little bit of space between the physical sensation and the story about that physical sensation. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking that. I can't believe I'm thinking this. I can't believe she's doing this. That's all a story. What we want is to connect with actually what's happening, with the feeling. Now, by connecting with the feeling, we're getting very, very intimate with our pain. I don't want to create an impression that this is always going to be a pleasant experience. In fact, this is not an experience to make us feel better, but to get better at feeling. Mm, say that now, again. Once, Ooh, that was good. Say that again. Well, it's, the point of this experience is not to feel better, mm -hmm. but to get better at feeling. Now, how do we get better at feeling? Correct. How do we get better at feeling? We get better at feeling by connecting with actually what is going on within us, the physical sensation. By becoming intimate, intimate with that physical sensation, sitting with that physical sensation unconditionally for however long, and then letting whatever else arise, arise within us arise and observe that, 
what we learn is to connect with our feeling, but also realize that we are not the feeling. Because if we are able to observe it, if we are able to be the space for it, can we really be the space for something that also we are at the same moment, right? Can the bottle be the water at the same time? Mm. So, so, so let me make sure I got this. So the physical sensation that he may be having could be, let's say, tightening of his jawline. Like this is exactly. a physical sensation. Or tightening of his chest muscles or mm-hmm. his stomach feeling like it's, he's about to you know, lose his food. Those right. are the physical sensations that are pointing to a feeling that he just lets, needs to sit with. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and from my experience, as we start connecting with these physical sensations that are arising in conflict, they will shift, they will very often change, and very often new thoughts will come. Where Once we listen to these physical sensations, we are actually able to go deeper. Because ultimately, ultimately, why do we have feelings? What, what are feelings? Uh, in my experience, feelings are messengers for our needs, mm. for very, very deep needs. So once we start paying attention to our feeling, not in an intellectual way, not just having an intellectual discussion about what the feeling is, but actually connecting with the deep feeling, we are able to go deeper, to go beyond the feeling, and to go beyond the needs. So then, as the person uh, is able to, and, and, and this is not overnight, this is not uh, kind of switch on and off experience, this, this experience takes practice, um, and sometimes it can even be helpful to have some coaching as a person is going through that process so that they don't get back into uh, the thinking, analyzing. But as the person has experience in this, the person is able to notice what is arising within, within them. The person is able to connect with the feeling. And as this person is connecting with their true feeling, with this visceral sensation, they're then able to go deeper and say, okay, what is this that I actually need? What is that, I actually, what is, that is actually important to me in this situation? So then instead of reacting to the situation with anger, avoidance, or aggression, um, the person can respond, the person can respond with clarity because the clarity is arising from within them. There is clarity. This is what's important to me in this situation. And then, uh, you know, they can talk about, uh, without being in a reactive state of mind, they can talk about it, think about it, how they can ask uh, for what is important for them, how they can get what is important for them in that situation. Then that means to me that the gentleman who is looking at this email, that this email exchange, is feeling the feelings of you know, a tightened chest, let's just say, mm-hmm. and you're saying mm-hmm. that if he were to just be with that discomfort, another, he might be able to tap into the need behind the feeling, which could be something like he needs to feel that she 
the one who's not giving over the documents, that she really cares about what's important for his life. Is that a right. possibility? Like his deeper need is to feel like he is important to her or important in general. And it's not about, it's not really about the fighting back and forth over the email. It's the need that has gone unmet for him exactly. in the relationship. That's exactly it. You see, and, and how it's, it, the reason it's very relevant in conflict, what, what happens in conflict, whether we take divorce or whether we take any other intense personal conflict, uh, everything tends to get very narrow. Our focus tends to get very narrow. We get very focused on, on the other person and what he or she did or said. Um, and the, really the way through that experience, the way to transcend that experience is by expanding our awareness, mm. by creating, having expansive experiences that give us a more expansive perspective, and that's where we come back to uh, the concept of space. Space is, is really behind the expansion. When we expand something, there's more space. Mm -hmm. There's more space. There's more clarity. Yeah. And so that's why we're again back to holding space and to creating space mm -hmm. because that's an antidote to a conflict experience that tends to become very narrowing. Uh, if we're going through conflict, there is, there is even, uh, as Dan Shapiro of Harvard Negotiation Project describes, there is what's called vertigo effect. We lose a sense of time and space. It narrows. We, we're so focused on this experience, we become completely encapsulated in it. And our life becomes, when we enter this response, reactive, I'm sorry, bubble, uh, from which we really cannot get out of. And that's why so many divorce proceedings, divorce cases, yeah. divorce conflicts are so painful. Yeah. So if we have a way to expand our awareness as we're going through this process, and how do we expand our awareness? We expand it within us. We create space within us. From that space, we are then able to make better decisions, have more clarity, uh, communicate more effectively, and really be more connected uh, with our deepest needs uh, and communicate nonviolently, uh, you know, perhaps even using some principles and techniques from Dr. Marshall Rosenberg and nonviolent communications. This, oh my goodness, Henry, I could explore this with you for another 45 minutes. We're going to move on to our, our next segment, but before we do, I want to just offer to the listeners that if, if one can just begin with this first step, which is asking, you know, set aside the trigger, as you said, but asking, am I willing to look within me? Like, just start there with that question if you're mm -hmm. not yet able to progress through the other three steps. Mm -hmm. Start there is a big step for many of us. Just asking, am I willing to look not within her, not within him, mm -hmm. but within me? That's a big step towards uh, success. It's a huge step. And then if after that we do nothing else, Pamela Elaine, and just breathe, just give mm. ourselves some time to breathe and notice, notice what is arising within us. Yeah. Um, just these two things can make a huge difference mm -hmm. in the way 
we show up in conflict. Well, I am going to make a statement here, commitment that the next time I get that email from him, I am going to ask myself, are you willing, Pamela Elaine, to look within yourself? And then Mm -hmm. I'm just going to breathe and just be with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's move on to segment three, going rogue. Okay. So I love this segment. I'm going to make three bold, Mm -hmm. unapologetic, yet slightly controversial statements to which Mm -hmm. you, Henry, will respond with either, I agree, or "Hmm, I disagree, and then explain why. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. Men run away from their feelings when conflict arises. That's why women run away from them. Hmm. So I would agree in part and disagree in part, uh, and, and, and here, here, here's what I mean. Uh, it is very true that in, in our conditioning, in our cultural conditioning, uh, men have perhaps harder time uh, talking about their feelings. Uh, women are able to talk more about their feelings, but I would say that both men and women, that does not mean that women are more connected with their feelings. Mm, okay. uh, because, because what I, from my experience, um, there is perhaps an easier way to have a discussion about feelings, discussion about what is arising, but it doesn't mean that either men or women are actually feeling. Now, talking about feelings and feeling are, are two very, very different things. Mm. And I would say that culturally, most of us, men and women, are pretty disconnected uh, from our feeling, from actually being able and willing to notice whatever is arising within us and to sit with that, to sit with that without trying to fix it, to change it, um, to, to make it go away, to do anything about it. Okay, thank you. Two more. Mm-hmm. Blaming a spouse for his or her bad behavior eases painful feelings? I would disagree. Uh, Of course, of course, the, um, you know, if we look at the true causes of pain, at the true sensations of pain, they are arising always from within us. Now, the other person, the other party may provide the, the outside trigger that is necessary to trigger a particular feeling within us, but it's kind of like match, right? Someone lights a match, and then a match can fall into gasoline or it can fall into water. Well, who has the control of whether it falls into gasoline or water? Hmm. That's coming with, from within us. So in the short term, because of our conditioning, it may feel better, uh, it may feel as though the pain is going away uh, if we somehow can blame it on the other. Yeah. But if we are truly observant, what we realize, the effect is very short term. Mm. The pain returns very quickly. Mm. And that's why so many people get addicted to blaming because, as in with any addiction, you need... Uh, you know, the, the, the sensation of emptiness, 
when whatever we are addicted to is not there, keeps returning and it keeps going. So that's why there is a need to blame because it doesn't, it doesn't actually address the cause. It addresses the effect. Now when it addresses the effect, it may make the effect a little bit better for a bit, but because we never dealt with the cause of the pain, the pain returns. Last statement, Henry. Individuals who practice yoga can learn to be comfortable with uncomfortable feelings. So I would say yes, as long as we understand yoga uh, to be more than uh, the physical postures, a series of physical postures, that is what so often is seen as yoga in the West. Mm. Um, you know, yoga is a very, very deep philosophy, science, and an art of connecting with ourselves and of liberating ourselves. And when we say liberating ourselves, realizing and practicing and knowing that we are not the things that are arising through us. So when we view yoga in that deeper sense, uh, then yes, absolutely. It can, it, 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 it's the whole point. It's the point of yoga mm. for us to know that we are not uh, what is arising through us, and that we can um, have these experiences, but we don't have to become these experiences. These experiences are coming, arising, and going through us as waves. Uh, so with that understanding of, of yoga, I would agree. Nice. Thank you for that. Thank you for playing along, too. Those are great answers. Let's mm -hmm. now move into segment four, Did You Know? Mm -hmm. Did you know, now Henry, you will offer three did you know secrets or relevant resources or interesting bits of knowledge that most of us don't know about. I'm going to ask mm -hmm. you to begin each statement with did you know and then complete it. Henry, what are your three concise did you know statements? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So first one is to repeat something that I said earlier. Did you know conflict is not the fire outside of us? we must put out, avoid, or control. It is the fire alarm that's alerting us to what is happening within us. I love it. That's Should I go? To, oh, yeah. To, did, did you know? Okay. Next, did you know? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I just I'm, I'm to make, writing. To make sure. I'm really writing feverishly because I want to remember <laughs> this stuff. Okay. okay. What's the second did you know? Did you know that breath is one of the most important tools in conflict resolution because breath can help you create that space in conflict and that connection with what is going on within you. Mm, nice. Great. Third? Mm -hmm. And third, did you know that if you take time to breathe and really notice what is arising in conflict, you will be able to respond to conflict with clarity and compassion instead of reacting to it with fear, avoidance, or aggression. Wow. That includes the nasty emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, includes, it, it, it includes, it includes all, although 
Can I just clarify here one, one, yeah. uh, one, one thing? Uh, sure. so, so often, you know, when we talk about uh, being mindful uh, or being part of the yoga community, you know, we have an idea that a response is always going to be soft and spoken, you know, accompanied by soft music and, 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 yeah. and presented in a very soft voice. And we always are, you know, people often ask me, so what, do I, do I just become a doormat? Uh-huh. And that not, nothing could be further from the truth. Okay. Response can be can be can be absolutely fiery. We can we sometimes life calls for us to roar like a lion, and that's mm. absolutely appropriate in, in in the circumstance. You see, our response arises from the elements. We have all the elements in our body. So sometimes the element is fire. You know, we respond with fire. Sometimes the response is water. We let something flow away. Mm. Sometimes the response is air. We speak our truth. Sometimes the response is ether. We rise above it. Wow. You see, what, what differentiates response and reaction is not some physical characteristic or the music that's playing in the background. Mm-hmm. It's where it's coming from. So there is an element of the, the response comes from clarity. There is no stress. Even if we need to respond with fire, we know exactly what we need to do. We do it, and then we move on. There is no drama accompanying it. That's a great distinction. Response comes from clarity, no stress. Reaction, obviously, the reverse. We're unclear, it's murky, and we are totally pissed off. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And so you see, sometimes reaction, we can, we can be very passive in our reaction, but there's a lot of stress associated with it. And, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? We feel like we're not being honest to ourselves. There's no authenticity there. And sometimes a very compassionate and peaceful response is to roar like a lion. Wow. We roar, but then we roar like a lion and we don't hold a grudge. We do what we needed to do. You know how you have children. So, you know, sometimes with children, you have to be melodramatic. Uh, you kind of have to play a role. You have to play mad, even though you may not really be mad. Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of how response works. Sometimes we just, we, uh, what life calls on us to, have a very, to take a very strong, decisive action. We take that strong, decisive action, and then we move on without drama, without doubt, without um, self-hatred, none of that is, is part of the response. That's some good stuff right there, Henry, and what a great distinction. So now we, we're going to have to move into our final two segments. The fifth segment here is the offer. Henry, what offer mm-hmm. or resource or giveaway do you have for our listeners? So. I really, really value your listeners. And as I said, uh, Pamela Elaine, I consider you to be a a dear friend. And I consider uh, Chris and Sharon and all the other members uh, of of the staff of Mainline Family Law to be dear friends. And that's why I really would like to extend an offer to your listeners uh, that I think is going to be meaningful. Uh, Any of your listeners uh, can call me and I will give them a 45-minute uh, free conflict coaching session. Wow, that's really great. I think I'm going to be the first one. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, 
that is fantastic. It's extremely generous. 45 minutes, you know, that's really some juicy amount of time to get into mm-hmm. some significant stuff. Thank you for that, for that generous offer. Henry. Mm -hmm. That takes us now to segment six, the wrap-up. So this is our last segment, Henry, and it's time to say goodbye. Do you have any Mm. final thoughts, points of clarification, information for our listeners, including how to contact you about that generous offer? Mm-hmm. So uh, people can always visit, uh, as far as con- contacting me, people can visit my website, and that is www.livingpeaceinstitute, all one word, .com. And my email is henry at livingpeaceinstitute.com, so they can, they can contact me through that. But I would like to really leave your listeners with an invitation. And that invitation Uh, to see conflict as an opportunity to look within. Every time something, you know, uh, what we perceive as a negative experience arising, commit in that experience to look inward and commit in that experience to expand. And if you make that commitment, I guarantee, and there are very few things in life we can guarantee, but I guarantee your experience of not only this conflict situation, but your life experience will change very dramatically. Wow. Thank you, Henry. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for the insight, the information, the the gift. This has been a fantastic conversation for me, and I hope it has also been for you. Yes, absolutely, Pamela Elaine. I am uh, very, very grateful for this conversation and very, very grateful uh, for the work that you uh, and everyone at Mainline Family Law is doing. Uh, it's really a privilege uh, to know and to be working with people like you. Mainline Family Law Center can be reached via the website myhealthydivorce.com. Spend time on their website because it is full of useful information to help you. The website is beautifully designed and easy to navigate. I can be reached via my website, yourresiliencecoach.com. Please join us again for another insightful conversation to help you achieve a healthy divorce. Be sure to check out the website, myhealthydivorce.com, for all the details. Until then, remember, you can have a healthy divorce. It's how you divorce that matters.